0: The Spot Track Podcast,
1: talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and live sports than The Athletic. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of exclusive, 100% ad free content. For all of these stories, a great app, plenty of podcasts, and tons more, visit TheAthletic.com Spot Track today. And get 40% off your first year subscription. We are also provided by Balance Bridge Funding, cost friendly capital solutions to athletes since 2015. Balance Bridge understands the industry, can customize a payment plan, cater just to you or your client's financial needs. Borrow wisely, borrow cost effectively, and avoid fees when you pay back early, which many do. Whether your client is currently under contract and needs a bridge against future earnings, a free agent looking to get involved in their next contract, or looking to borrow money for any other reason, let Balanced Bridge take a look, provide a solution, and be a resource for you and your client. Visit balancedbridge.com today. Happy Wednesday. My name is Mike Genetti. Happy December 15th. Doesn't mean a lot to some of you. For the NBA, it means about four dozen players become trade eligible, which means nothing's going to happen, as Keith Smith's going to break down soon. Uh, Keith will be here with me to break down really ten to twelve teams that I think could be involved as sellers, which is really the angle I, I like to look at this time of year in terms of the NBA trade deadline, which is unofficially February 10th. So we are still, you know, almost two months away from that. But it's been building up to this for a while now, and this date specifically is when you know you, you draw a line in the sand and say, okay, now things start to get real. Because, you know, the fourth and fifth and sixth guys on these, on these cap tables now become available. And when you put two of those guys together, you can start to talk about a real trade for Ben Simmons. You can start to talk about how to clean up Portland a little bit, how to clean up Indiana a little bit quickly, which, you know, uh, those are obviously the, uh, where the cream rises here in this NBA trade deadline. But I've got teams like the Knicks, the Celtics, you know, some of the bad teams like Houston, and New Orleans, obviously a Zion conversation here. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of highlights and storylines that I'm not having to pull from, right? They're just out there. They're kind of sitting there at the NBA. It's a weird year. There's not a. There's not really one team that's far and away good. You know, the, the Warriors and the Suns and the, and the Jazz to some degree, they've really kind of set themselves up as a, at least a top tier. But tier two is like fourteen teams, and they're all mashed together. And that could be good or bad for the trade deadline, right? Because if everybody's kind of in on that playing process and maybe the seven and eight seed, you know, are you reluctant to give up on pieces? Are you reluctant to make big swings? Uh, I think what Keith's about to tell me here, and I would agree with him is it's going to be more of a role situation where we identify that we need to upgrade a big man immediately, or we need, we need help with assists, right? It may be a very statistical trade deadline where you know, you can't just say we're bad on defense and fix that. That's, that's easier said than done. Um, even with a guy like Ben Simmons. But if you say, you know, we are getting crushed on offensive rebounds, that's something teams can go and target at this trade deadline and find that fourth guy in the roster who, who has a knack for that. You know, I'm looking at many of the players on the Knicks right now, for instance, who are going to be a big part of this conversation. So I do think it'll be a very targeted trade deadline and it'll start right now. And you start to hear, I, I would guess upwards of 20 to 30 names that really start to become major discussion points towards that February deadline. But Keith's going to break down with me about 10 to 12 teams that should be involved at least from some degree and uh, what it looks like financially speaking. Then the back end of the show, real quick, the uh, Major League Baseball released their player pool, the, the money pool for postseason teams, including the world champion Braves. And uh, it's good news for baseball. So I got the numbers and, and my thoughts on what that means at the back end of the show. Keith, welcome back. It is December 15th, which is a big day in the NBA. Uh, Plenty of players now become available to be traded. Does that mean we're going to have a rash of trades in the next week or so? Or do you think this is going to be a slow burn to that February 10th deadline?
0: yeah it's yeah, I kind of liken today to being like christmas morning if there were no presents under the tree because it's it's cool but we're probably not getting anything in 2010 uh per my research was the last time we saw a trade made on december 15th and that was Terrence williams getting traded from the new jersey nets to the uh, houston rockets so so it's been a while so i don't think we're gonna see anything done now but the important thing is things can get done now and sometimes what teams do is they'll hold off on getting deep into trade talks because we all know how it works it's gonna leak out and they don't want things leaking out that then have to wait weeks to materialize because too many things can change. Too many things can upset players, those kind of things. So we'll, we'll start getting some action here, but I wouldn't expect anything probably until we're uh, after the new year.
1: Yeah, that's probably right. I know you've been doing a lot of work on the 2022 numbers. Are there teams that you think will be sellers because of finances? In, in the next few weeks or is that, is is it still too early or is the league just have too much parity right now? I mean, the standings are sort of mashed up in the middle. Is that, is that a, a factor here?
0: Yeah, definitely. The, the, the standings are going to impact things in the advent of the play in tournament as well, because what you have with some teams, like take the Sacramento Kings, for example, If the plan didn't exist, they'd probably already be having a conversation about, oh, we should probably be looking at moving some of these veteran guys and seeing what we could do. But because the plan exists, the Kings are able to look at this and kind of say, you know what? maybe we can uh make a run at this this is a team that hasn't sniffed any kind of postseason in well over a decade now so i think they're looking at and saying all right you know let's instead of selling let's add i think the financially driven trades we may see is teams that are close enough to duck out of the luxury tax so boston uh uh, maybe Philadelphia, but that's all, all clearly tied up in the Ben Simmons situation. And then Portland, um, those teams, I think, may do what they can to try to duck out of the luxury tax and get under because then that just frees up a little bit of flexibility years moving forward and the progressive penalties for being a multi-time taxpayer and all those things. So so I think we'll, we'll see that kind of stuff as far as cap clearing trades and that it's not really the free agent class to be making those kind of moves. So I don't know how many of those we're going to see. All
1: right. So I have 10 teams here that I've identified as could be sellers, right? And I use that, that, that term sort of loosely here. You've already touched on four of them. So I I think (laughs) we're on the same page. Uh, I I want to start with this one though. You know, speaking of leaks, why was it necessary for Indiana or something around Indiana to come out and say, basically everybody's available? Uh, and and tie in the fact that I've watched this team now for the past two weeks, and they look pretty damn good. Is it just that they know who they are, and they know they can't get to that next level together?
0: Yeah, I think it's that last part. I think they are being very realistic. of Our best hope is maybe we get into the play in, and then we're out in the first round. Yeah. And I think they are looking at it and saying, as I've put it with them and Portland, uh, they're past their expiration date with with these core groupings. It's been. They've given it a really good run with these guys, and now it's time to say we've got to look at doing something different. I think for the Pacers as well, other than Malcolm Brogdon, who's not trade eligible because of the the extension he signed, takes him beyond the trade deadline – everybody else is on a very easily movable contract they don't have another player making over 20 million so that if you're making under 20 million you you're very easy to trade if you're making between 20 and 35 it gets a little more difficult you get above that that starts getting into uh like star for star trades and those kind of things so i think if you're the pacers what they're really looking at is We've got all these movable guys, guys who have pretty good value. In my sense in read on that situation is they don't want to – rebuild it's more of a reset let's you know get some some players in here a different mix of guys we're still gonna have brogdon we're still gonna have one of sabonis or turner uh probably still have tj warren and then let's see what it looks like when he gets back with the players we get in and we're probably not in any different of a situation but maybe we can clean things up and get a better fitting mix moving forward
1: i like how you compared indiana and portland is that could that just be a team for team swap I mean, those are two teams that just have to shake up, but really cannot, you know, rip the Band-Aid off because of the finances they have invested. I think I agree with that. Could that could that just be two teams that 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 work together here?
0: Yeah, it w- it would be interesting because I think there is there are constructions you could get to that could could be good for both sides. I, yeah, I think one of the bigs headed to Portland uh, with maybe C.J. McCollum right. coming back. The challenge is their contracts don't necessarily match up great because if Portland's going to do anything of consequence, it's probably going to involve moving CJ McCollum and when you're up over that $30 million range that's like I said, that's where it gets a little tougher um, now Indiana could get there with relative ease, you could do something like Turner and Jeremy Lamb and a salary filler to, to make that happen and then you're going to get McCollum and then Portland's sitting on an empty roster spot so doing an unbalanced trade's not a big deal for them, mm-hmm. so maybe maybe. Maybe, but my guess is, I think they're both thinking slightly different versus uh, let's go get guys from, from another kind of middling (laughs) team. team. Let's, let's do something different.
1: (laughs) Um, How many of these, so I'll give you my 10 teams quickly. Indiana, Portland, Philadelphia, Boston, Houston, Sacramento, the Knicks, the Raptors, the Pelicans, even though that's an entire show itself. And then the Lakers, (laughs) just because I feel obligated to have them here because, you know, they're not who they think they should be. Um, you know, take Philly out of that. So nine teams, how many of them are at least waiting for the Ben Simmons situation to resolve or are, are they in the Ben Simmons situation? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I would think at least a few of them. We, we've heard Indiana uh, linked to Ben Simmons, and I think the idea for a team like the Pacers or even the Trailblazers is small market teams that they, they're not going to sign a player of Ben Simmons' caliber right. uh, very often, if ever. So when one becomes available via trade, you have to do what you can to at least be in the conversation. So I think those teams make sense. It The, the Lakers stuff, it – it makes sense in the sense of Simmons is a clutch guy. He would like to be in L.A. He grew up a Lakers fan, but that would have to involve Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Clearly, Philly doesn't want him. And then that would have to mean finding a third team, which that, that starts to get into, uh, as I put it, fantasy basketball territory. And that's probably not going to be a thing. Boston's always kind of – a it, it team to watch on that front, but I think that would be more as they might be a third team in as a facilitator uh, versus them directly acquiring Simmons because I don't think they have any interest in doing Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons. That's uh, just not a move that necessarily makes sense for the Celtics. So so I, I think a couple of those teams, but I, I think if Simmons is going to go somewhere, it's, it's probably going to be – a smaller market team that says, Hey, this is our one chance to make a real play at this. And I, I continue to think teams like Cleveland, Minnesota, though, those are teams you want to look at too for him.
1: Can I give you another team that I I left off this list, but I'm reluctant to say, I probably should have put them on here because I I just think they're too deep. And now that depth seems to be a problem. Can't Ben Simmons help, help the Atlanta Hawks pretty, pretty pretty quickly. uh,
0: Hmm.
1: That's that is interesting. Yeah, he definitely
0: could. Um, I think you know one well, one of their struggles is they've really slipped defensively right. from last year. Uh, they they should in theory have enough shooting to offset him. I I would assume you're you'd be looking at a couple of the wings headed back to to Philly um, in a trade like that, and and maybe it's I I think that would have to involve Daryl Morey moving more into the. I'll take a handful of quarters versus one, you know, dollar player uh, for for Simmons, and and if if he can if he moves in that direction, then for sure then Simmons is a guy who would fit in Atlanta and be able to help them because I think you can build something really probably pretty good. Just because Trey Young is that good, they'd retain at least one of the wing shooters, probably Kevin Herter, just because he's very hard to move right now with the poison pill provision. Um, and then if you were able to keep like John Collins, that that starts to become a really fun and interesting group.
1: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense for us to rise. And, you know, you, you, Cam Reddish has a ceiling, and I think Maury could sure. see that kind of ceiling. And, and you know, Maury's not taking Capella back. You, you can guarantee no. that. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I just think they're deep enough to be able to give... Daryl Morey, three pieces, you know, three C's and B's, which is where I think this trade is going. There's not going to be an A out there. Everything you said kind of alludes to the fact that nobody's trading an A right now, not Dame, not Jalen Brown, not Russell Westbrook. You know, Bradley Beal's not going anywhere, even though he's had a down year. I just think, Mm -hmm. you know, you're starting at B's and you're more likely getting B minuses out of this deadline, but uh, you, you brought it up early and I want to get back to it. It's a, it's a weak free agent class. So, You know, we're not going to have that sign and trade situation. We're not going to have really a restricted uh, offer situation this year, like we like we could have had last year. Is that going to ramp up February? You know, will will we see more movement, even though it won't be superstar movement, because July is not looking great?
0: Yeah, I tend to believe when there's either a a. Very few teams with cap space or it's a poor free agent class, and this this upcoming summer has both of those, that teams will look at it as, all right, we have to make moves via trade. And sometimes what teams do, like go back when the Detroit Pistons uh, traded for Blake Griffin. They did that trade in part because that was also as they they kind of said that got us a jump on our big free agent acquisition too, uh, because there was there was this belief Pistons were going to be looking at being a cap space team that summer and they could do all these things and sometimes I think teams come into this with hey, if we can go get the guy now today and have him moving forward, this is the best way to, to do this for us because this is going to really propel us uh, as we, we kind of get things moving down the line here because it really starts to make a lot of sense um, for that type of acquisition to happen now because then you get a few months. And where the league is very wide open, I, I think we may have a pretty uh, uh, aggressive trade market. I, I One thing, though, I think what we may see is more targeted players, meaning I really need a center. I really need a bench scorer. I really need a shooter. uh, I need a a defensive minded wing or something like that versus anything where it's, you know, these big stars outside of Simmons. I do continue to believe he will get moved uh, by the deadline.
1: So you don't think, you know, one of the bad teams like a Houston or Toronto will look to build their roster up here and kind of, you know, poach pieces off other teams where where that might be available right now. You think it's more rip the bandaid off for Houston than it is adding pieces right now. And that includes John Wall, I guess, right?
0: Yeah. Well, in theory, um, very hard to see him go anywhere. Uh, right now I think that's more of a summer trade just because then he becomes an expiring contract and, and you can, can see him, him move there. Cause I just don't think anybody's looking at John Wall and saying, there's the guy that he puts us over the top. (laughs) Um, I, I do think that they don't – they do have some movable veterans. I, I think Daniel Tice's contract, we, we talked about this forever ago uh, when it was signed. That was always kind of a weird deal uh, for them knowing that they had already had Christian Wood and that they had uh, drafted Alperen Schengen. So it really becomes a – what, what, what are we doing with Daniel Tice? So I think there's a good chance he gets moved. Um, they would love to move Eric Gordon yeah. if they could. I think his strong play this year has teams kind of looking at his deal a little bit differently uh, than they had in the past. And then I think DJ Augustine, their hope is every year at the trade deadline, somebody comes up needing a veteran point guard to just kind of keep them afloat for generally it's an injury-related reason. And I think they would love to move him too. So I think Houston is – they're going to do stuff and they're going to be active, um, because of the way 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 the uh, roster is set up. Toronto that becomes kind of fun to watch because you never know with Masai. He he's the kind of guy who, when you least expect it, he'll make a home run swing. Oh. And it was like, whoa, I was not you know expecting that that at all to come. So maybe that happens. Something's going to give with Goran Dragic eventually. They, they'll hang on to him. My guess is. All the way to the deadline, just, Keith. I didn't even know the
1: situation was happening until yesterday. I, I didn't even know <laughs> he was not even in the country, or even in you know Canada, and yeah. able to be playing for this team. Is it just he doesn't want to be playing for Toronto? Is that it?
0: Yeah, he. So right when that trade went down, and it was he's he's the part of the matching salary for in the Kyle Lowry sign and trade. I believe he was in Slovenia may have been elsewhere in Europe. Someone got him on camera and he was like, yeah, I don't want to go to Toronto. I have no interest. Uh I hope they trade me. I hope I get bought out. Then Somebody, probably his agent and the Raptors got in his ear and were like, Hey, and he came out and was like, you know what? That was in the moment. Let me walk that back. Blah, 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 blah. Then since then, I think he's played in five games. So clearly everybody knows that was a, uh, you know, he was there just as a salary in that trade. And I think his hope was, I don't think, I mean, we know at this point his hope was to go to Dallas when the Mavericks did not go the cap space route uh, this offseason. That eliminated that possibility. So my guess is what happens with him is they keep him all the way through the deadline because $19.4 million is a great piece of salary matching, especially as an expiring contract in any trades they might make. And if there's not a trade, there'll be a buyout and he'll be off to another team shortly oh. thereafter.
1: Wow. And you think Siakam is in similar conversation or is that too big of a a bite to chew off here?
0: Yeah, I think the emergence of Scotty Barnes has made Siakam maybe a little more available than he might have been otherwise, because I think they can look at it now and say we can get by with OG and Noby and Scotty Barnes for sure. I, I didn't necessarily buy that. They were going to look to move Siakam early in the year just because you had to see it out of Barnes first. Yeah. But I think he's shown certainly shown enough now that that, that makes sense. So that's, that he's somebody I would keep an eye on, but again, thirty three million. He's owed uh, over seventy three million over the next uh, two years following this one, both fully guaranteed with no options. I do think that there's a chance that one could be more of a summer move yep. as Toronto sees where they fall out and looks to pivot into whatever their next. I, I completely
1: is. agree because you start floating him around. You know, June June twentieth. And he becomes one of those, you know, big free agents, essentially,
0: <laughs> right? Yep, exactly. If he's available. I now, think that's he right. he could... Yeah, could he be like like I referenced? Could he be some team's version of Blake Griffin, yeah. where it's hey, we're gonna go get him now, and then we'll have him the rest of the year? Maybe, um, but I, it's just hard to find that team right now that's really looking and saying, yeah, we need a you know uh, he's really kind of now in today's NBA a pure four um, who can slide up to the five on occasion. Uh, it's just a little hard to find the team that's looking and saying, yeah, that's the guy we want at thirty three million today.
1: All right, three more teams. I'll let you go in any order you want. Uh, Boston, the Pelicans, and the Knicks.
0: All right, let's get the Celtics out of the way because it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, um, yeah, I, I think with the Celtics, it's. I don't think you're going to see any kind of major move uh, coming right now. I think they are more in let's. Jalen Brown is back now. He looks like he's over this hamstring injury. Let's give it the next month, month and a half to really see what are we as a team. They've they've played uh, up until the other day. They played the most road heavy schedule in the NBA. Um, so now that's that's going to start to turn here. But they're playing a bunch of really tough teams. But they'll at least be at home for those games. I think if you're you're looking for deals with the Celtics, there's two places to look. Dennis Schroeder's contract was always set up to be a one-year uh, relationship with Boston. Um, it's it's just he's going to want more money in the offseason, whether or not he can get it. Who knows? At this point, we'll see. Um, but I think it is that that's one where if Boston isn't really looking at it and saying, by the trade deadline, we are we need him to make a— conference final run at the conference finals, then you might as well move him for what you can get because you're probably not going to change your place in the standings all that much. So I I think that could be, could be the one place they look there. Then I think the other guy who I am fairly certain probably won't be on this roster much past the deadline is Juancho Hernan Gomez. He's at $7 million this year and $7.5 million next year, but next year's fully non-guaranteed. So for a team that is effectively an expiring contract, and unless Boston can put him in a deal where – He's a plus to getting a, a more expensive player. I think the Celtics are going to look at that as this is how we dodge the the tax. And they'll probably be calling up Oklahoma City, Orlando, somebody like that and saying, hey, what can we incent you with to take this deal on to help us avoid the luxury tax?
1: And and that'll be enough. They don't have to move smart before this at the end of this year to kind of get themselves financially healthy.
0: No, I don't think so. I, I, th- I think they feel comfortable with his contract and what, what he's at for what he gives them. When he is uh, playing as a primary on-ball uh, point guard, he's he's actually been pretty good. His, his His numbers look fairly solid. So I think the Celtics are really kind of looking at it and saying – Hey, we, we you know, he's going to be at 17 million next year on his uh, first year of his extension. That's the going rate for a pretty, pretty decent point guard. And and I think they feel fairly comfortable uh, with him with also knowing we can probably always package him together with somebody else if we needed to. If if uh, let's say and I'm just making this up and Celtics fans will love it because he's been the object of the, their affection for years. But if Bradley Beal says, I want to play with my buddy, Jason Tatum, and I want to go to Boston. You almost need Marcus Smart then to be the salary match in a sign and trade, uh, so that that's that's something that I think then the Celtics are looking at and saying, all right, just whether it's Beal or somebody else emerges and says I really want to go there, that that's another reason why you hang on to him.
1: That's fair. How does David Griffin still have a job?
0: Yeah, it's getting a lo- little tougher. And what's what makes me nervous now is I think he knows he's very much on the hot seat. And when you have a GM in that position, I don't necessarily want them uh, making moves to try to save their job uh, because those tend to be very uh, short sighted and let's get an impact right now. Then that's when you see we traded two first round picks for a player who's a marginal upgrade for this one year and they're. It, because the bottom of the west has been a little rough they've been able to hang around some they, they've played a little bit better as of recently um so they're but what are they they're only three and a half games out of the plan so if they're really looking at it and saying yeah we can get to the plan i think that's one where i think the, the kind of unknown around the nba for a lot of fans is yes general managers make trades but owners sign off on every deal that gets made that's kind of your last thing is hey we have an agreement in place you know what do you think are you okay with this and then the owner says go or don't go or well, whatever it is i think that's one where where gail benson or whoever it is that I'm working you know with, with her with david griffin has to be really clear of all right, what are we doing here because you don't want to put yourself in a position where all of a sudden you are uh making these major trades and trading away like chunks of your future for a team that's just barely going to make the play in maybe I don't think that's where you want to be.
1: Is there a real conversation about Zion now, Keith? I mean, Scott and I have had banter about it and I'm starting to hear banter now in a lot of other places, but you know, because it's just, it's trending downward more and more, but I mean, one more year left on this rookie deal before restricted free agency, you know, the the timing is everything here. And if you're going to do it, I I have to think now is a real time to seriously consider it. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think it's more real than it has been. And that's kind of me hedging a little bit to say, I don't know if it's real or not, but I I think it is a little more real and it's for the reasons you mentioned. There's only one year left on the rookie scale extension. He's extension eligible this coming summer. And I do think that there are some around the league who say, if you want him, you're going to have to give him a fully full max deal. Uh, There's no other way. And that turns into what, how do you feel about that? Is, is that really where you want to go? Uh, with Zion Williamson, considering everything that's happened, because that could be one of those ones where we had to do it, and then he plays 45, 50 games a season every year and never quite, quite gets healthy. The other challenge is, if you're the Pelicans, is – this was the post AD guy for them. This was the guy who's he's the centerpiece of our rebuild. He's he's everything to us. And if you're going to move him, then I think you have to really at that point, you might as well be open to moving everybody else on the roster and in go. So my guess is nothing happens this year. I think if if any if there's hesitation this coming summer on, you know, we're just not sure we want to give him the max deal, you find a team that is open to giving him that. And then maybe that's when you look look at doing it. And it's been floated out there. We, I I think it might have been the first thing I ever wrote for the site or is pretty, pretty darn close. I wrote a uh, piece about Luka Doncic mm-hmm. and could he, he be the first guy to sign the qualifying offer instead of doing the max thing? And clearly that didn't happen. But we could rerun that all back with Zion Williamson and some updated numbers because that question has been floated out there because it's $17.6 million and that's – that's a big enough number where you're not giving it all up but the reality is his talent level someone whether it's New Orleans or somebody else is going to say we'll give him the full max just cuz you almost kind of have to just to to give yourself that chance.
1: You're the GM it's September 2022. The, the 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 option decision is there, the extension decision is right there. Do you do it? Do you offer him the max?
0: Uh am I the GM of the Pelicans?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Uh yes. Then yeah, I You I, do yeah because if if it doesn't work out am i in any worse shape than not having him at all that's that's i think is <laughs> that that that's becomes kind of my value proposition i'm probably in about the same place and the reality is for a guy who will be so uh, let's say when that extension starts he'll only be 23 years old um I, I got to look at it and say there'll be someone who even on a max deal, if this guy looks like he's going to be injury riddled for the rest of his life, there's still somebody who will make that trade. There's some other desperate team that'll do it. So I, I do make that offer um, because I'm there. If I'm another team, I don't know that I'm being real aggressive on, Hey, I'm going to trade you this, this, and this for Zion just to then sign him to a max deal. Cause that's the kind of thing that could cripple your franchise for for you know the the duration of that contract, if not longer.
1: It's fascinating. It really is. I, I mean, th- the amount of number one overalls that miss in this league, Keith. It, it's just fascinating to me. It's a two round draft. Really, only one round that matters. And yep. we, we don't have a good track record with this thing. We really don't. Uh, yeah, sometimes you want to be sitting in
0: that two or three spot. You're right <laughs> because I th- th- think think uh, those guys tend to work out work out a little bit better. Yeah, it's this one's starting to feel a little bit. It's not exactly this this way, but it's starting to feel a little bit of uh, the the Greg Oden Kevin Durant uh, d- uh, draft where it was man the Trailblazers. They they missed out because it just never worked out for them with uh, with, with Zion and then you know here here we are with uh, you know the the other team came up big right behind him.
1: Yeah, it's not quite the Anthony Bennett yet, but we're uh
0: yeah jo, John Morant needs to take a little step up <laughs> there, but uh, there you, you know if 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 he does then 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 that uh, that that uh, Zion Jaw versus uh, odin KD comparison starts to become a lot more uh, valid. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're not wrong there. All right. You know, speaking of teams that may be in on Zion, <laughs> uh, let's finish with the Knicks because I don't know. I think you, I think you kind of saw this coming a little bit. You know, last year was a bit of a, uh, of an aberration. They they overachieved in a lot of areas, certainly with Randall. Um, is this just who they are? Have they kind of regressed back to what they should be, which is a fringe playoff team with a bunch of players who, you know, uh, are who they are and at times can be above average, but mostly are just average NBA players. Yeah,
0: I think they would have needed all of these free agent acquisitions that they had to really hit at uh, the absolute best level to lift them beyond being a middle-of-the-pack Eastern Conference team. And I think there was – that they, they almost played that off as, as the hope of Julius Randle's now an established all-star. R.J. Barrett's going to only continue to get better. And then if we get the best version of Fournier, and the best version of Kemba Walker, and the best version of Derrick Rose uh, at this point in the, all of their careers, then we're going to be really good. And that just hasn't happened. And what, what we saw with the Knicks was they, they made all these attempts to upgrade their offense. But what they did was they downgraded what really made them special. A year ago which was their defense and that was uh as someone who had watched kemba walker very closely for a couple years uh you you should have seen it coming i think we all kind of knew that wasn't necessarily going to work he just doesn't move the way he used to he's never been a great defensive player but he used to at least be able to get in the way and take charges and those kind of things. He's just not that guy. Offensively, the burst isn't necessarily there like it was, and when you're six foot tall guard, you really need that explosion to to be able to get by players or at least get them on their heels so you can hit those pull-ups. And then Evan Fournier... It's been weird because he hasn't – I've seen some painting him as, you know, this is not one of the worst contracts and he stinks and he can't do anything. He hasn't been that bad offensively. Oh. He's kind of been you know, what you expect. But defensively, it's just – there's a reason why Boston had him and targeted him as being a six-man off their bench because they knew you start him night to night, other teams are going to find him. And that's, and that's what's happened because – The other defenders are all pretty good or can at least hold their own. And then when you had the Walker-Fournier backcourt together, it didn't work. So, yeah, there's just a lot of question marks. And what you have to, I guess, think about if you're the Knicks is, do you kind of have to remove some of uh, Tibbs' guys to – Make sure some of these other guys play. I almost think you, you remember in the movie Moneyball, um, when did they come Jeremy in and build? Really right? Yeah, tra- trades everybody away. Yeah, yeah, it trades Giambi away and trades uh, Carlos Pena away. So, the, so the uh, Art Howe has to start. Uh, you know, Scott Hatterberg and all the guys he wants playing. Um, you almost wonder is it is this a case where it's like, all right, we got to get some of these other guys out there because we need we can't be having Taj Gibson play, you know, 25, 30 minutes a night like it's these minutes have to go to somebody else. Uh, you know, Derek Rose, he's playing pretty good, but we got to do what we can to make sure Emmanuel quickly is playing enough. That's I st- I wonder if that's where the Knicks are eventually going to have to go uh, to make sure that, that the, they guess the quote unquote, right guys are getting the minutes moving forward.
1: Hey, it feels like Atlanta and the Knicks are in similar conversations here. They've got a lot of uh, guys and not many of them play defense. <laughs> Yeah,
0: no, is, that's that, that's that's definitely true. I think the one thing Atlanta has going for them is uh, most of their guys are still uh, you know coming into their prime years, yeah. where a lot of the Knicks guys are coming out of them, and that that's I think the the difference on that. Well, that, uh, last huh.
1: point, last point, because that's right. We we've talked about this a lot actually on this show how the Knicks built themselves kind of for one year. You know, this was. Yep. Uh, they, they they loved last year they wanted to kind of ride off that and maybe add to it and kind of go all in in terms of you know a, a bit of a mid-market finances and they've done that do they break it up right now do do they drop a yeah. bomb onto this roster like a miles turner which I think could really fix some things or, or are they going to let this thing ride out to the summer?
0: I think it's more likely this one goes into the summer because, Almost all of those contracts that they signed, other than Randall's extension, M. Uh, Fournier's deal runs one extra year. They're they're in effect expiring deals because they they put team options on Derrick Rose, on Nerlens Noel, on Alec Burks, and next to to next year. Those basically become expiring contracts, and I think that just becomes a little bit easier. But what they've also done, which was really smart in their construction, was other than Randall, nobody makes over $20 million a year. So it's very – these are these are good contracts for the most part. They're very easily movable contracts. They're also contracts where if you – it's not going to happen now, but let's say Damian Lillard this summer says, all right, I'm done. I I, I got to go. I, I got to leave. Well, the Knicks in the summertime can say, hey, what about these three, four players for Damian Lillard? And there's a the salary match and off we go. And those deals are always easier to make in the summertime because you have the expanded rosters. You have all the things that, that you're able to do that you're just not in season. So I think think it's more likely this is a big summer trade uh, team. but. If they really look at it and say, you know what, because the reality is as is, is, uh, disappointing as they've been, they're they're only let me make sure I have this right. They're only four and a half games out of home court advantage. Because okay. that's how still compact the standings are. So I think you do kind of look at it and say, you know what, let's make that run and go get it. like you said, if my if we can get Miles Turner for you know, one of these guys or one of these guys in a pick or whatever, they do have an extra pick that they're kind of say or almost kind of two extra picks that they're sitting on because they have one coming from Dallas, one coming from Charlotte. They both got some protections, but yeah, if you if you can make that work, I, I do I do think that there is still a potential of hey, let's try to salvage this because the reality is it's Tibbs, so you're not going to easily turn that into hey, play quickly and Toppin and, and Grimes and these other guys. 40 minutes a night. And if we lose, we lose. That's just not who he is. At that point, you're going to have to have a conversation about should he still be the coach or not?
1: Yeah. I, I think that can be a two phased approach. I think you can, you can do a miles Turner situation right now when that iron is hot and make that even more bait for a Dame Lillard situation, which I think they're at the top of that list. They have to be at the top of that list because of everything you just said They're they're built well for it. They have the assets to get back to Portland, which would be attractive to them. And New York will be attractive to Dame, I would imagine, right?
0: Oh yeah. I, I mean, it's it it's hard because we wanna in say, well, they've been chasing stars for years, yeah. but it is a new front office that has done things very differently. But the reality is it's Damian Lillard and guys like that only become available every few years. So I think it is one of those where, hey, if we can put ourselves in the mix, let's go get it done. What what's good i think if you're a knicks fan is all right if you're gonna hold your cards for damian lillard that's fine uh in past years it would have been let's trade a bunch of these guys right now for john wall and hope for the best or trade a bunch of guys for russell westbrook or, or and, even worse let's just
1: let's just dump cap and open up cap space and hope one of these exactly. guys comes to us which yeah <laughs> that, that that's, <laughs> yeah, that's done. those yeah. days are done man
0: Exactly. We're, we're going to trade all these guys, open up cap space and and pray that Bradley Beal or Zach Levine wants to come this summer yeah. when everybody's looking at it and saying they're not going there. That's not happening. It is a very different group there now. And I think that is um, that's what should be heartening for Knicks fans, even if this hasn't worked out necessarily the way they hoped for this season. You can at least look at it and say, hey, at least we feel we can feel pretty confident. We're not going to go all in on some kind of crazy trade that's just going to make us a mess for the next few years.
1: He's at Keith Smith, NBA on Twitter. He's the best. Have a great holiday, Keith. Thanks so much. Absolutely. You too. All right. For our final segment here, I want to switch to baseball quickly. Uh, it was brought to our attention that the postseason shares, the pool, the money pool for the World Series was recently released. And it is a record high $32.5 million that the Braves get to dole out as the World Series champions the total pool for all postseason teams was over $90 million, um, which you can say, great inflation, you know, everything's going up. It's great. We, we just came off a year and a half pandemic. We're still inside of a pandemic here. Um, and you know, I've, I've poked holes in the fact that, that that slowed down sports, you know, I, you know, baseball had a big year. They just had a big November in terms of spending football, had a huge spending year, uh, with major contracts and total quality contracts, uh, It's not slowing things down is the point. And for baseball specifically, um, to have this, to have a year where football did dominate so much, where basketball was big, and those two sports are certainly separating themselves from the rest of the pack. For baseball to have this number, this 90.47 million in postseason shares, let me tell you where this comes from. This comes from gate receipts. It comes from ratings. It comes from eyeballs. It comes from attention and popularity of these Major League Baseball playoffs. It means that while the regular season is faltering you know, and, and becoming largely regionalized, the Major League Baseball postseason is very attractive, very marketable, very, you know, <laughs> advertisable, And now the players get to warrant that and, and spread that wealth out a little bit. It's good news for baseball because it means I don't think you have to change too much. And in fact, if you're out there saying we don't need to expand our playoffs, I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong in a lot of degrees because that helps the competitive balance. And it and it adds on to this here. It adds on to clearly where people want to be watching baseball, which is when it matters the most. So I think they have to trend a little bit more towards hockey, which is... Let's get as many teams as we as we need to into the postseason to, to maximize relevancy, to maximize our regular season and, you know, make sure that 75% of these teams are largely competitive for 150 games. And then we get to this part where we can sell some ads, where we're going to get more of a national audience, where things are really going to matter most and everybody's going to win here. And this is where the players can up their revenue stream, and certainly win some of these CBAs, right? If you expand our postseason, that means more dollars for you, that means more dollars for owners, especially with home games. And now we get to get to pull back some of this revenue and maybe this maybe we decrease our postseason pool here a bit and spread that wealth down to the rest of the teams and it becomes another percentage point that all of major league baseball players get to share in on on an annual basis? So if they're 47% now, can they be 48 to 49% of the total revenue? I, I'm of the mindset that all of these leagues should be 50-50. I think if basketball can do it, and I realize they've got a smaller base, then all of these, these, these leagues should be able to do it at this point. It's just stupid that they can't. Owners have so many other ways to make money besides the, what happens inside the bubble of the sport. And I, I just disagree with the fact that players can't get fifty percent, so this should help. this really should help. It's record breaking across the board. Um, I believe the Braves are getting it looks like about three hundred at about four three hundred thousand dollars a piece it, It's really good chunk of change now, what happens to this stuff? Um, yeah, three hundred and ninety eight thousand dollars per share, and uh it was split into sixty six shares, which means Players, staff members, coaches, you know, the video guys and gals, the marketers. This goes down to like the towel people and, and the janitors and stuff like that. Many times these are just straight donations to charities for for players and things like that. Um, a lot of times, you know, they'll take half of their share of a player and they'll give it to a manager or they'll give it to a trainer or things like that. Uh, so it's very, it's a nice time of year to be doing this, by the way, right? I mean, we're all kind of doing that as, as it is at the holiday season, but. The fact that the numbers are what they are is very, very good for baseball. So we have a $2.5 billion November in terms of new contracts and extensions. And now we have this, uh, you know, proof that the postseason was largely successful without the Yankees, you know, with, with the Dodgers bailing out early, with Boston bailing out, with, with you know, not major, major, major teams. Now it was a good crop. You know, you had your Astros, you had your Braves, but it did very well. It did very well in all in all regards. So let's just get this thing back on the floor, okay? <laughs> let's let's just use this as fuel to say we have to expand the playoffs. Clearly, it's it's a it's a working model, and it's a money maker. So we can use that now to help the players out in, on their side of this pie, and let's just get this thing done. Because uh, if we get into you know March and April and we're still at the drawing board and they're they're negotiating through Twitter like they did with the COVID protocol situation. Uh, It's going to be extremely bad. As good as this is and as good as November was for baseball, a March Twitter fight is going to be four times as bad. And we just can't let that happen. This stuff has to get done behind closed doors. I hope they've already started, but I know they haven't. And I I don't imagine they will until well into the new year. But it's got to get going because there are some really good signs for, for a sport that a year and a half ago I was really, really worried about. You know, and not like football. Worried about not like oh, you know, the entire rule set of the sport has to change from a safety perspective. That's a different animal. You know, the business model of the NFL has never faltered, and the and the NBA's is is arguably something everybody else should be, which should be copying and stealing from. So, the fact that baseball has done a couple of things right here is really good news, and I hope that they get back to the drawing board build some of this into their uh, discussions and get this thing back onto the field. ASAP. Okay. My thanks to Keith Smith. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash SpotTrack. Get 40% off that first year. And please check out balancedbridge.com if you're looking to build a plan that helps you guarantee and build a bridge against future investment. Poor Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the SpotTrack Podcast.